sunshine, swimming pools, green grass, and great conversation. It's summertime, and this is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. But you got to have friends. The feelings are so strong. You got to have friends to make that day last long. I had some friends, but they're gone. Something came and took them away, and from the dust till the dawn. Here is where I'll stay. Good morning, good friend. Welcome to the show. It's 8.10, 10 minutes after the hour. We're up and running for a uh, Thursday morning. Can you believe it's Thursday this week? Even though we had to work a whole week for the first time in a while, I can't believe it's Thursday already. You just read my mind again, Howard. You got a little telepathy going here this morning. I'm thinking, man, tomorrow's Friday already, and it's uh, it's payday. I can't wait for tomorrow. We'll be, uh, we'll be. Uh, I got to think, start thinking tonight about the highlights of the week for uh, tomorrow's highlight segment. So the highlight for me is going to be uh, payday, payday, Howard. Tomorrow's tomorrow, payday. Tomorrow's payday. <laughs> well, the highlight of the last couple of weeks for me was the, the days we didn't work, but uh, we worked all this week, so. I don't like that. You know, I like that idea of having the extra day off. You notice the power hasn't been out for a while either, so maybe we'll get one of these days. He's lucky. The power <laughs> no power. Could be. 65 degrees pretty much right across the board. 65 at the airport, 65 at the Highlands, 65 in Elm Grove, and 65 here at the Robinson Auto Group Studios downtown Wheeling in the heart of the Ohio Valley. A rainy morning this morning, and it still is raining outside, although Aaron says sometime by midday the rain will diminish, if not stop. Um, we do have thunderstorms possible during the day today. Daytime high, mid-70s, maybe push 80 in some parts of the upper Ohio Valley. Uh, tomorrow it's going to be a, a nicer day. Mixture of sun and clouds will be up to 81. And then again, rain coming back in on Saturday. That's the way your forecast goes. Uh, if you were not with us last hour, Bob and I talked a bit about lottery fatigue. The lottery jackpots are getting bigger, but, but lottery sales are actually going down. And we're kind of talking about, I wonder why that is. And I think it may be, first of all, the jackpots are so big, it's hard for people to get their head around them. We, we joked about Bob's um, moral decision to never win any more than $10 million. But I think that's probably where a lot of people are at. You start talking about $1.5 billion, and it's just like, I don't know what to do. It's just too much. It's too big. How can I possibly... Spend it. I don't even know how to think of it. You talk about a million, five million, seven million, and you and you say, okay, I, I can think about things I could do with that kind of money. Uh, you get to one and a half billion. So, at any rate, we, there's something they're now calling it lottery fatigue. We talked about that uh, last hour. Bob and I uh, continued the discussion about homelessness, uh, which will continue next hour with Wheeling Mayor Glenn Elliott, who's going to weigh in on the Life Hub in the uh, city of Wheeling. Talked to Adam Fike about Hawaii being on fire. That's a horrible situation there and uh, coming up in just a little bit uh, in this hour of the show we're going to talk with uh, Mike Pushkin. Mike is a delegate from uh, Kanawha County in the legislature in West Virginia and he's also the Democratic Party chair. Uh, He wants to talk about uh, the session that just ended the special session. Most of the bills were voted for by almost everybody including Democrats but the process really has a lot of folks concerned and I have a couple of things I want to get into with Mike so that's coming up a little bit later on. Now If you did not catch the uh, first hour of the show, all of those things I just mentioned, um, I have already posted it up online. Now, don't go and listen to the last hour while you're listening to us live, but the last hour number one of today's show is already posted online at watchdognetwork.com. So you can catch. I've done our podcasting a little bit differently anymore. 
I put them up every single day now, which is a lot better than every six weeks that I was doing before. But I'm putting the shows up in their entirety. So every day I put up hour number one, hour number two, and hour number three, the 7, 8, and 9 o'clock hour. Um, and I tell you who our guests were and what our topics were, but you'll have to find within that hour any particular thing you are uh, looking for. Um, and Howard, uh, I, I just had an update here from uh, from Maui. 36 now confirmed deaths. 36? 36, and they just showed a shot. I don't know if it was live or not. But the smoke was so heavy and so black, you couldn't see where you're going. You couldn't find the ocean. It's you know. just uh, unbelievable. Uh, that's when I got up this morning. The number was six. Thirty-six now. Six times just in the. I mean, the, the deaths may have come in different time periods, but six times the amount that we had when we started the show this morning. It's uh, again the pictures are just frightening. They're frightening to look at. Um, Maui is on fire. It really is, and, and there's no escape other than just you jump in the in the ocean. I just just terrible. It's a mess. Uh, we'll continue. ABC News will continue to follow it for you. The top and the bottom of every hour here on the Watchdog. Well, Tom Scateri has not been with us. Was not with us in his new, usual time period this week. I think he's getting dental work done or some medical work or something. Anyways, Tom is coming up next, our national correspondent. We've got a lot of Trump stuff to talk about. I want to talk about a poll that's out on uh, American support for the Ukraine and uh, see whatever else Tom has on his mind. That's straight ahead here on the Watchdog Morning Show where it's 8.15. Hi, Toppy Kirchner will talk line on Metro News. Inviting you to join us for our show comes your way at 10.06 Monday through Friday on the next show. U.S. Senator Joe Manchin. Congress is on break. Manchin's back in the district. He'll join us in studio on the next talk line. We'll find out what's on Manchin's mind and also take your calls and texts. Talk line weekdays at 10.06 right here on this Metro News radio station. Why? Just think about it. Why is the number one selling brand of chainsaws not sold at Lowe's or the Home Depot? We can give you over 10,000 reasons. That's how many authorized local steel dealers you can find across the country. Visit one and you'll find a range of dependable gas and battery powered tools from trimmers to blowers. And you'll find service from experienced professionals. Real steel. Find yours at steelusa.com. Lowe's and Home Depot are trademarks of their respective companies. Broadcasting from the Ohio Valley, talking about the Ohio Valley. We're live and local. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Brought to you by WVU Medicine. Music back in Tennessee. All the women there, Lord, that think the world of me. 
17 here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Thursday is always country music, bumper music here on our uh, program. Tom Scateri is with us this morning. We didn't get a chance to talk to Tom in our usual Tuesday segment. Tom, what would you have? Dental work? Medical work? I can't remember. You told me what you... Well, you, no, Howard. Howard, this is a great example of how uh, life or the universe, however you want to characterize it, likes to be um, prankster, okay? <laughs> All right. As you may know, I've many of my younger years as a foreign correspondent, a war correspondent, dodging bullets and all that sort of, you know, movie stuff, never really getting hurt too badly. And last last July, when I was in England on my vacation, I was lugging my suitcase up the steps out of the subway and, and twisted my oh. right knee. Oh, jeez. And so, yeah, exactly, right, you know. And uh, so it's been really, it's really hurting me, you know. I mean, it's been tough to walk, and it's just a, a, you know, just a very difficult um, leg to deal with. And so um, I had an, uh, they moved out my appointment for my follow-up exam from okay. the afternoon to the morning, and I just didn't want to pass up because you may guess how hard it is to get these appointments. Yeah, exactly. All right. So you made it through the bombs of Sarajevo, but you, uh, but you. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the tube of London got me. <laughs> but the London subway got you. <laughs> but isn't that the way life usually is, right? Yes. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's how they do it. They all, you think you're okay and bang, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I made it back. Made it back from the war zone. Let me just get to my hotel well, and have a drink. The Pentagon, yeah, I was over the Pentagon, and I was wearing a, a knee brace. And some of my friends said, did you, did you go to Ukraine? Were you in Ukraine? <laughs> <laughs> I, I said, no, no, yeah, this is London. And they just looked at me like, okay. <laughs> the London subway, the London subway. Uh, Tom, <laughs> there's some interesting international stuff uh, that you sent me, and I want to talk about it later on. Half of them are, I don't know that they were intended to be humorous, but half of them, Made me chuckle. They were, but we'll we'll, were. we'll get to those in a minute, because I don't even know where to begin with Donald Trump. The Trump stories are like just coming out like water yeah. from a fire hose anymore. Uh, of course, the 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 most recent indictments now, uh, the four federal indictments that uh, are very serious. Uh, the the judge is now looking at this possibility possibility of a protective order, um, and and it is as if Trump is daring him to do that. I mean, Trump is just yammering on on social media and in campaign rallies, doing everything that it is likely he's going to be told not to do. And really, he's already been told implicitly, at least quietly, not to do. Uh, It's as if he's Mm -hmm. egging the guy on. Yeah, you know, I'm with you on this, Howard. And I think that we've all followed Donald Trump now for a long enough time to realize he, he wants to do his own thing and be provocative in his own ways. And I think you put your finger on it. He's all probably already been advised by his lawyers not to say these things or do certain things. And he's going to do it because throughout his life, and until recently, he's essentially been invulnerable to these things. He's always managed to get out of them. He's never really been held to you know, pay the price for anything. Jack, uh, Jack Smith is a different type of prosecutor. And he knows what he's doing, it's clear. And the other thing Trump is facing is maybe as early as next week, as you know, is the Georgia stuff, which is important to emphasize our state charges. So even if... And, and I, I don't want to interrupt you, but I don't want to interrupt you, but yeah. that is extremely important 
because yeah. if 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 this whole thing plays out to the point where Trump gets reelected, I don't think well, he yeah. will. Yeah. Uh, he would have the ability to manipulate any federal charges against him if they were still pending. State charges, not so much. So that's why it's critical there's a state yeah. charge here. That's exactly what I was going to say. And so, you know, he's facing something now that's a little bit out of his control. Uh, I mean, you know, Jack, you know, the, the Smith has another year before the election and, you know, a new president and all that takes office where the manip- any manipulation could begin if there is any. This is, um, would be harder to manipulate, you know, depending on, you know, it's the gov- same governor, same Republican governor that was there before who was adverse to manipulating the last time when Trump was president and asked him to rig the election down there. So I think that he, he is facing a lot of stuff. And I, I find it fascinating, too, how you and I subscribe to some of the same newsletters, and maybe you saw this, but there was something out, I think, this morning or last night suggesting, you know, if you were Trump's political advisors, you might not want him to be in the debate. You know, you're the front runner. You're way ahead of everybody else. Why do you want to go to a debate? It doesn't do you really any good. You probably would lose, you know, support, if anything, if not gain it. That's an interesting theory. I doubt that Trump would pass up a debate because it gives him a stage. But um, it's such a different race now. But Trump is setting the stage for, no pun intended, he is setting the stage Uh for not being part of that debate because uh, part of a requirement to be in this debate is you must sign the Republican loyalty pledge, which says if you don't win, you will support whoever the Republicans nominate. And Trump has said without any question he will not sign that pledge, which theoretically would prohibit him from being in the debate. Yeah, that's true. I didn't, I didn't realize that. I'd forgotten that. You know, Mike Pence was asked that very question on a very good interview on CNN on Sunday, Sunday morning, and uh, he he eluded the answer by saying, "Well, Trump's not going to be the nominee. I expect someone else will be." And he never answered Dan Abash's question about that. You know, whether he would support. She asked him outright, if, if Trump is the nominee, will you vote for him in, you know, in, the, in the fall election? That's a pretty straightforward question. And he said, well, I don't expect him to be the nominee. It, it, <laughs> so they're know, all dancing around that. you know. For the, uh, for the other candidates, though, it probably, if Trump is not on the debate stage, is it next week? It's next week, right? Right, right. If Trump exactly. is not on the debate stage, it gives them a chance to at least be heard in their own right. They may fight with each other, or they may fight about him, about Trump. Uh, Trump dominates. If Trump were to be on the stage, I mean, he literally dominates. He jumps in. He overtalks. You remember with Hillary, he literally walked mm-hmm. behind her and loomed over her while she was giving answers. Um, so the other candidates will have a chance to express themselves without Trump overshadowing them, literally. There may be some value in that. Given that it's conceivable, I'm just saying conceivable, that Trump may be out of the game by by election time. So it, yeah. might, it might actually be better for the candidates to not have uh, Trump there, the other candidates. I don't know. I think so, because it also it also gives them a little bit more flexibility if they're asked by one of the moderators or panelists about, you know, supporting Trump, et cetera, et cetera. They could give an answer without him staring at him, essentially, and intimidating him or whatever word you might want to use. Um, you know, I, I, he's far up in the polls in the Republican primary. I got that. And DeSantis, who was considered to be his strongest, you know, competitor, his campaign is in early disarray. I don't think that matters. Much Replaced his campaign manager this week. Right. Exactly. You know, this is all still pretty early on. 
with the Trump dynamic, it's a lot different than we've seen before, other than with Trump, in that, you know, there has to be one or two candidates who could be the alternative. Because if the vote is split, like in 2016, Trump's going to win because he has a solid base of support, barring, you know, any further indictments or stuff like that. But that doesn't seem to have any impact at all on his very fervent supporters. In fact, it encourages them. You know, it is interesting to me, and I have not, I do not have an answer to this question. If Trump were to be removed from the picture, and by that I mean if his indictments turn to a trial and trial turns to conviction, or if something removes him from the race, does the Republican Party then, in their primary, go for a true anti-Trump candidate, somebody who wants to be very different than Trump, like a Chris Christie, or do they want to go for the candidate who is as close as possible to Trump? And I don't have an answer to that question. I don't know. If Trump is out of the mix, if the fever that okay. sometimes occurs with Trump there is gone, where does the party go? That's a great, that's a great thing to ponder. And I actually was having a discussion with a friend of mine from another country earlier this week. He's, he's here in the U.S., and he was, you know, they're fascinated with Trump and the election and all that, and he was asking that same kind of question, who I thought among the other Republican candidates. And I hear exactly what you said, and... and so if you, you know, DeSantis originally had built himself as sort of Trump without the warts. He didn't right. say it like that, but, right. but, you know, that's kind of how he's built himself. And so you would think, well, if people want, like what Trump has said and what Trump did or said he would do, then a DeSantis-type candidate would be that. However, you, you know, if there are the, the sort of the sleeper cells in the GOP of the old-type Republican Party, sort of the Mitch McConnells, uh, you know, who are more traditional Republicans who have bent to a Trump because of his power, with Trump out of the picture, they may be able to reassert themselves a little bit and back somebody like, say, Tim Scott, you know, Senator Scott of South Carolina, who's impressed a lot of people. He's a conservative, there's no doubt about that. He's also African-American, which would give a little, a lot of jolt to the party that they haven't seen before in an exciting, dynamic way. He's a very good campaigner, very personable. So, you know, I, I'm not endorsing him or anything. I'm just, you know, responding to your, your question. There are other candidates like that, not so much a Chris Christie who's sort of been there and done that, but somebody brand new. You know, Republicans say we need new leadership. We need new leadership. Well, you go to someone a little bit younger who hasn't been on a national scene before, pair him up with somebody else or her up with somebody else, and there you go. So that's two, two, two paths. You pointed out earlier that it is very likely that there will be more indictments involving election tampering coming in Georgia now. I want to be clear that at this stage of the game, while it seems unquestionable there's going to be indictments, it doesn't necessarily mean that Trump himself will be indicted, although I believe that probably is likely. Uh, going back to this fact that he can't keep his yeah. mouth shut, he has already gone out on Fannie Willis and uh, uh, what you know, he said that she was, what, what was it he said yesterday, that, uh, that she had an affair with a, the head of a gang? I mean... He can't keep his mouth shut in terms of disparaging the prosecutor in that case. He's disparaged the judges already in his cases. Uh, how much further can, and this is a, a question I don't think anybody has an answer to, but I think we're going to have to figure it out. How much mm -hmm. further can Trump go in flouting the rules, regulations? Right now there's no protective order. I'm sure there will be. He clearly can't keep his mouth shut. How, what do you do when he doesn't? If you're the judge and, and he doesn't keep his mouth shut, he doesn't follow the order, what do you do with Donald Trump? You and I, I know what they would do with uh, Tom, but I, what do you do with Donald Trump? <laughs> you know, I, I think that the key thing that anybody has to remember, a judge or a prosecutor or anybody in that role, 
is that you can't play the game by Trump's rules, and you have to figure out a way to play it by your rules, okay? So you just go ahead and do, you know, whatever you do, Trump is going to say, oh, it's a Democratic judge, a Democratic prosecutor, they're biased from the start, I can't get a fair trial. You know he's going to say that. He said it before in the past. He, he lays the groundwork for that as well. You know, I keep hearing about how the District of Columbia, which is true, District of Columbia is overwhelmingly Democratic Party registration and voting registration, overwhelmingly. There's no secret about that. And so people say, well, you can't get a fair trial in D.C. I, you know, I was a young reporter. John Connolly, who was, I think, the Secretary of the Treasury at the time, uh, he was indicted on some legal matters that escaped me for the moment. And he was tried in the District of Columbia and was acquitted. And he, you know, he made the point that, you know, I went to the district. He was a Republican at the time. He switched parties under Nixon and was acquitted. And he liked to point out by what he said was an almost all, if not all, black jury. So in other words, the point his point was made, he was tried before what some might say the most hostile jury you could find for a Republican. And he was acquitted. So he, he believes there's a fair trial. And, and Pence said the same, even Pence, you know, who reluctant to say anything, he said, you know, you're going to get fair trials. So... I think that the prosecutors in, in this case and the judge just can't play by Trump's rules. To answer your question, how far can he go? I think he can go as far as he wants, shooting off his mouth. And then you have talented people who, if they can, will use those words against them. But if you or I were to violate a protective well, order yeah. and told not to say anything or threaten anybody or release certain information, and we said the things that Trump has already said, were he to say them after the order was in place, you and I would be certainly fined with for contempt, and quite likely could be locked up for a while. But well, he might get fined. You know, he might get fined. Howard, I'm not going to say that he wouldn't. You know, I don't. You know, I don't know if they would not impose, you know, penalties like that. I, I, it's, it's hard to imagine him being locked up. And again, if you're thinking about the long game, if you're a prosecutor and judge, you know, what do you want to do? What, what's your goal here? You know, you want to you want to keep the circus at a minimum. Or at least turn the circus against him if you can. Right. Use his own words. I've got to shift gears because I want to get a couple other things in here real quick, and I do have another guest coming up in the next half hour. Um, new poll, CNN poll came out this past week, I think it was this past week, uh, showing uh, most Americans oppose additional funding for mm-hmm. the Ukraine war. The president is either going to or already has proposing a lot more money for the Ukraine war. Looks like they're set, we're setting up for a little bit of a conflict here. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right. That people are wondering what's going on over there. There's still money left in the original authorizations for Ukraine that have to be used by September 30th. I thought yesterday or Tuesday we'd see another a chunk of money going to them for more weapons. You know, Howard, we're at a point now where the Ukraine counteroffensive is going slow for a lot of real, true military reasons. Nothing bad on the Ukrainians, but people thought there'd be a major. But so they said, "Wait a minute, what's going on? This could go longer than we thought." Yeah, it is. Um, and now we're seeing the criticism, I think it's more justified now, that the United States just needs to give Ukraine long-range missiles and, and other things they're asking for. Not so much jets, that takes a long time to get there. But they need the long-range missiles, they need the United States to quit sort of just giving things out in part and parcel, as well as other countries, because it's time for the eyes of many to sort of give them everything they need and more to start whacking ships. That, like they're whacking the Russian ships in the Black Sea, they're taking drones to Moscow, it's bringing the war to Russia. And that's having an impact on how China and other countries look at it and say, we've got to bring this to a conclusion. But you see rising uncertainty among Americans about continuing funding, funding Ukraine. Excuse me. You have a lot of people in Congress, Republicans mostly, who are saying, well, we might have to cut off the spigot. And, of course, the Ukrainians are worried because if, 
if Biden doesn't get reelected or the House and Senate both go Republican, what does that mean for aid? So we're at a kind of a critical point here with U.S. Uh, public opinion in one poll. That was one poll. Nevertheless, over 50 percent saying enough is enough or slow down the aid. Tom, one last thing. I got to just yeah. some notes you sent me. I thought you loved this one. Well, well I don't, you don't know which one I'm going for because there are so many of these I could pick up on. But, you know, I take a lot of my medical readings every day ever since I had such serious medical problems. I check my blood oxygen. I check my blood pressure. I check my blood glucose, all that kind of stuff. The one number I hate to look at is my BMI, body mass index, you know, because let's face it, I got <laughs> yeah. a lot. I got a lot of body fat, and it does not, you know, it doesn't, doesn't look very good. Apparently, the Defense Department's having some debate over, over, over essentially BMI or b- body fat measurements, right? Right, right. Big debate. The services can't agree on how to measure it. It's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of funny if it wasn't serious. <laughs> and, you know, we, I'm talking about the four branches. The Space Force wasn't included in this survey. But, you know, each one, it's, they still measure with the tape, you know, tape measure. They, they're moving to more sophisticated devices so they'd have a uniform measurement for all four services. But they can't agree, Howard, where to put the tape. In other words, uh, <laughs> one branch puts it next to, to, to the right of the rib cage, the other one puts it right under the chest and breastbone, et cetera. And so you get these different readings. In other words, you could be fit for the Air Force and not fit for the Army. And See, it's interesting like that. Now, it is serious because members of the services have been discharged for being overweight, too much body fat. So this is not a, a laughing matter. But what Biden is, they just can't even agree on the standard for it. <laughs> you know, but I get that. I get that. They try, you know, the doc says, let's measure you. And they go they measure my, quote, waist size. I'm like, no, that's not my waist. That's my belly. Go down lower. You know, I got I got a smaller right. waist Where's than my waist? belly size. Where's the waist? Yes. Right. That's the other thing. Where's the waist? Yes. And, and, you know, this is critical also because, you know, we do have a re- an issue of recruitment problems. So they're trying to make sure that they don't uh, toss on anybody they can keep. 30 seconds. There is a Russian uh, a fighter pilot. Uh, who was in command of one of their major uh, pieces of aircraft with all kinds of weapons and machinery in it, and he was being chased by, like, a gnat. Um, and he said he was intimidated, basically, right? Yeah, the Russians had their modern jets flying over Syria, and he claimed to be intimidated by a drone, a U.S. drone. He had to take these evasive maneuvers. He was lauded by the Russian military. And the Pentagon just mocked him, which is unusual. They just usually just don't say anything about this. Now, just to put in perspective... Think of a Model T and a Ferrari, okay? A drone goes about the Model T speed compared to the jet, a Ferrari. If you can't maneuver away from a drone as a pilot, well, we don't have much to worry about in an air war over Syria with Russia. Yes, I just I find that, you know, it's got this yeah. big giant, it, it, it's like a big giant hawk being chased by a hummingbird, you know? And it's like, I'm afraid, <laughs> I'm afraid of the hummingbird. Exactly. So you never know. <laughs> hey, Tom, I got to run. Appreciate it. I uh, hope okay. that your knee or whatever it is gets better. And watch the subway next time you're there. We don't, 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 yeah, trip and, don't trip and fall again. <laughs> we'll talk to you on Tuesday. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Mike. Tom Scateri, national correspondent here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Legislature in West Virginia wrapped up their special session, good, bad, or indifferent. We'll talk about that and more with uh, Mike Pushkin coming up next on the Watchdog Morning Show. But first, Taylor Long is here with Ohio Valley Headlines. Good Thursday morning, everyone. I'm Taylor Long with your 7 News headlines on this August the 10th. The Mountain State is facing a massive lawsuit over conditions at its jails and prisons, and it could cost hundreds of millions of dollars to fix. The lawsuit was filed by a Beckley attorney, and it states that more than 10,000 inmates are being exposed to inhumane conditions because of staffing shortages and lack of maintenance at correctional facilities. 
The lawsuit says the state needs to spend $60 million in salary improvement and $270 million on repairing dilapidated jails and prisons. Just this week, the legislature approved $30 million to boost pay and fill vacant positions and set aside $100 million for maintenance. And it's almost time for students and teachers to head back to the classroom. And a survey by the National Retail Federation shows school supplies increased with inflation and are going to cost families nearly 12% more this year compared to last year. And the Ohio Valley is no exception to these increased costs. Reverend Daryl Cummings and members of the Bethlehem Apostolic Temple are asking for community help to stuff the bus with school supplies, clothes, and other back-to-school essential items. The goal is to help the less fortunate return to school with confidence and a smile. The event is slated for this Saturday, August 12th from 10 a.m. to noon and is being held in the church's parking lot located at 330 North Main Street in Wheeling. And listen to this, Avenue Eats is officially open at their new location at Waterfront Hall in Wheeling. The restaurant opened its doors for customers again after their previous building on Valley View Avenue was lost in a fire back in 2020. The new location provides waterfront views with taste from burgers, sandwiches, salads, and so much more to go along with the sights and sounds at Waterfront Hall. Avenue Eats hours going forward will be 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. on Wednesday and Thursday and 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. on Friday and Saturday. I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited to go get a burger. That was a look at your headlines. Have a terrific Thursday, everyone. I'm Taylor Long, working for you. You want a hospital rising up to the challenges of today's healthcare demands. WVU Medicine Wheeling Hospital delivers the right care, close to home. Developing new and exclusive services, recruiting top surgeons, featuring the highest level of orthopedic surgery, improving healing, rehab time, and outcomes. Offering innovative heart care through our WVU Heart and Vascular Institute. Establishing outstanding urology services with a highly experienced urologist and staff. Providing comprehensive, world-class women's health services. And equipping the WVU Cancer Institute at Wheeling Hospital with cutting-edge science for the highest standard of care. We embody the mountaineer spirit, building upon strong traditions, moving forward with compassion. WVU Medicine Wheeling Hospital, delivering the right care at the right place, at the right time. Coming up on Metro News Hotline. On the Thursday edition of the show, we'll be talking preseason football camp for both West Virginia and Marshall. Jermaine Lucier from Gizmodo.com will be in the 3 o'clock hour. Amy Smith will drop by to talk about the financial markets at 5. Plus your calls, texts, tweets, in or out in our question of the day. Metro News Hotline with Dave Weekly. Weekday afternoons from 3 to 6 at WVMetroNews.com and on this Metro News station. The coffee is brewed, phone lines are open, and the morning team is ready to roll. From the Robinson Auto Group Studios, this is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. We'll be shadows in the moonlight, darling, I'll meet you at Hand in hand we'll go dancing through the Milky Way. It's 
8.40, to the hour. We are the Watchdog Morning Show for a Thursday morning. Remember, you can always be part of the program using the Frio Stack Auction Service Hotline at 304-214-1600 or the Frio Stack Auction Service Phone Line, 304-232-8255. Here is what I have a couple of things coming in this morning off the text line. Good Friday evening. Oh, I get it. Friday, Friday Eve. Friday Eve. Today's the Eve. Okay. Good Friday Eve, boys. Today is S'mores Day. I did see that. Today is S'mores Day. If you like s'mores, go out and make some. Today is Lazy Day. Yes, it would be with the Pretty weather. Pretty good at that. With, and with the weather the way it is, rainy, miserable, for stunk. Yeah, it'd be Lazy Day. Today is Spoil Your Dog Day and Duran Duran Appreciation Day. And that's off the text line. So, all right. Uh, lazy Day is the one I like the best there because I could certainly make it... Uh, a good lazy day today. You know what I'm thinking, Howard, and I think I can even whip this up. Grilled cheese, Campbell's tomato soup. Today. That sounds pretty good. This I'm gonna find that, something to read. I'm gonna have a little lunch there. That's and, this, and let it rain. That's this kind of day. A rainy, crappy for stunk day, a little grilled cheese, tomato soup. Yeah, baby. Now we're talking. Although someone does ask the question, being Thursday, off the text line, is it confirmed of Louis hot dogs at Uncle Pete's? Now, you went last Thursday and uh, gave them a try. They have good hot dogs, but they're not exactly Louie's hot dogs. It was a top-notch chili dog, but that's what it was. It was chili on a hot dog. Now, you could, uh, you know, ask for certain things, uh, mustard and uh, onions, because that's what you would need for the original Louie's hot dogs. Right, Howard? You need sauce. Sauce and ketchup. Or, or sauce not, no, and ketchup. onions and, and, and mustard. mustard. Yes, on a bun. So it, to call it a Louis hot dog, no. Now, could they maybe conjure up one that would be like that? But if you order what's on the menu, it is very, very good, but it's not a Louis hot it's dog. It's just a good – it's a really good hot dog. It's a top-notch chili dog is based what it is. Based on – how about this? It's based on the Louis hot dog. Okay, but put some mustard and uh, onions on there, and, and now we're talking. There you go. So uh, that's off the text line. Uh, here, yes, indeedy, this person doesn't like – apparently either one of us now. You're, you're getting in my you're, – you're getting along with me. A text line, Bob, have you sold out? How can you sit there day in and day out? Ha, ha, ha. Thank goodness I can change the channel. I have sold out. Thank you very much. Right, it's, it's pretty simple. There we go. It's, it's as simple as that. Uh, anything else here I want to do before I get to Mike Pushkin? A um, couple more uh, texts. Uh, yeah, somebody's drinking. Trouble in paradise. Maui is on fire. No Maui. Wow. Wow. This year. Wow. Wow. Maui. Wow. Wow. You sure he's drinking? Howard? Well, he's, uh, Sounds he's like Maui. Wow. Yeah, I'm thinking Maui. Wow. may indeed. Uh, it may. I, was he over there? That uh, that uh, police car that had 103 pounds of marijuana on top of it the other day. Did he even just walking by? Maybe he just grabbed something. I don't know. I don't know. Bob, uh, give me the word. Should I go to Mike Pushkin or go to a break? Let's get Mike in here. Mike Pushkin is with us, West Virginia delegate from Clark County and, of course, the state Democratic Party chairman. Wrapped up the legislative special session uh, this week. We talked to Mike ahead of time. Mike, we talked about the process uh, when you were here before the session. It was a crappy process, but still an awful lot of bills got passed. That's true, but first I need to address a serious uh, a point that was just brought up when you guys were discussing hot dogs. You left a, a, a pretty important ingredient off of the hot dog, and that is uh, coleslaw. Oh, okay. Hey, hey, I'm down here south of the slaw. I got line you. I got you. A West Virginia hot dog, indeed. One of our big restaurants around here, a good local restaurants, Generations Pub, 
where I, Bob and I frequently have lunch, uh, they have these giant hot dogs, and they you can get a true West Virginia dog. I like to get the Pete Rose, which is uh, chili mm-hmm. and cheese. But you're right, coleslaw, absolutely. You know where I have never been, Mike? I have. Have you ever been to Hillbilly Hot Dogs? Yes. Yeah, over in uh, I believe in Wayne County. Right. I have never been there, and everybody tells me it's just kind of a cool place to go. Um, yeah, I might be wrong. It might not be in Wayne County, but it's over there in that part of the state. And right. uh, they had another one in Putnam County for a while. I believe, but uh, that's it's one of the best hot dog places I've been to. But yeah, we did just wrap up the special session. We uh, uh, passed well over 30 bills. I think there were 43 that were dropped on us. Uh, they all didn't uh, make it the distance, but uh, as usual, the House did all the heavy lifting. The Senate just shoots bills right out. And uh, the House, it, it, to their credit, they did send some of the bills to uh, finance and a few of the bills to the House Judiciary for uh, a little more vetting. Uh, you still don't get to properly vet a bill when you're rushing through in a special session to, in three days. With, uh, I will say I will say this, though, Mike. I, I was a bit surprised to see anything go to committee and to vet it a little bit more than, than – I really expected everything just to be introduced, uh, suspend the rules, pass them, and all go home. Uh, so at least there was some effort made, tiny bit, but some effort made to, yeah. to vet some of these bills a bit more. On the House side only. So On the, the House Senate, side, yes. They don't believe in vetting bills. They just uh, they suspend the rules and they and they push them right out. And of course, yeah, both sides have the numbers to do that. But just because you can do something doesn't necessarily mean you should do something. We have the committee process, and we have the requirement to read bills on three separate days for a reason. And and that is well, one of the main things is allow some public input. And what we didn't have really was any public input on any of these bills with the, the speed that they were that they were passed. You know, a good example of that is this uh, uh, private-public partnership on the state park mm-hmm. uh, down near Summersville, uh, where, you know, on the surface, it sounds like a very good idea. Uh, I, it sounds like a good idea to me, but we haven't heard from the people who live down there, and I think they're a very important part of the decision-making should be the property owners and the other folks who live near the lake and uh, people who've been enjoying that lake for years. So that's just an example. But the main the main point, what we heard about going into the special session, was to address this year-long state of emergency that we've had in regards to corrections. Now, there was a lawsuit filed yesterday against the state by Attorney Steve New from down in southern West Virginia about uh, the deplorable conditions and overcrowding of, of, our, of our jails and prisons and, and juvenile centers. Uh, and that's because this has been put off for 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 a decade, uh, and it, really since the Republicans have been in power, uh, have they, they prided themselves on passing these flat budgets and not putting anything into essential services. And, and one of those things that that is essential for our society, but nobody likes to, to talk about, and it's not politically expedient, is the upkeep in our jails and our prisons. And, of course, the staffing situation. So it's hard to keep those places staffed when you pay people poverty wages to work in a very uh, dangerous job, uh, long hours. Um, so that was addressed. But here's the part that, that, that bothers me about it. If you look at the bills that we passed to address corrections, they were just simple uh, supplemental appropriations. Those Funding, were, yeah. They were just run-of-the-mill, just moving money around. So the, the change was made at the administrative level. 
right, how they change the pay scale to say correctional officer, if you work, you know, this amount of years, you get an automatic bonus, or if you uh, are, are elevate to a different rank, you get a bonus, like setting up a different type of pay scale to incentivize people staying on as a CO. Well, that could have been done a long time ago. The governor could have done that without us. We didn't have to pass a bill to do that. So that's the part to me that was, you know, you know this guy declares a state of emergency years ago. It does absolutely nothing. And it says, well, the legislature needs to decide on this. No, all we had to do was appropriate the money. We didn't We didn't pass a bill to change their pay scale. Now, it, it sounds to me, I, I don't know the details. Well, I do know the details. But I, I don't have enough of an opinion to say it's good or bad, but... But uh, changing the pay scale is is a good thing. It's it's a step in the right direction, um, but it it really is not. It doesn't really address, frankly, much of what uh, the lawsuit brought uh, forth. As a matter of fact, I mean, we still have a cry. Hopefully, we'll see people paid better, and that might increase maybe recruitment. I don't know, or better morale and so on. But I don't know. I don't know that it really solves the problem. They still, even with the pay raise, they still get paid very little. Uh, you know, barely above the poverty uh, line and working an incredibly taxing job, uh, uh, a you know, very dangerous job, a job you take home with you. And, and until they get the staffing sort of solved, a job where you often are forced to work uh, you know, crazy overtime hours. So I don't believe what we did solved the problem. It might have alleviated a little bit. What we were, we were unable to do is address the issues with the non-uniform staff that are often asked to work as correctional officers, even though they're, they're not necessarily trained to do so. More so now in the past year than they have in the past. Yes, yes. This, this jail lawsuit, uh, to me, has echoes of the suit that eventually led to the closing of the Moundsville Penitentiary all those years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the claims of inhumane conditions and, and, and dis, uh, uh, what's the word? disregard is not the word I'm looking for, but uh, lack of attention over the years to the regional jails, it, it just... It's not quite to that level, but it, it has echoes to me of the um, the Moundsville Penitentiary case all those many years ago, where the penitentiary eventually was ordered closed. Well, it'll be interesting to uh, to see how it turns out. Um, there's definitely a lot of merit behind this lawsuit, and, and this is just another byproduct of what you get when you have a uh, Republican legislature, Republican administration that prides itself on passing flat budgets. Yeah, that might sound really good until you dig into what the actual result of that is, and that means, uh, you know, woefully underfunded uh, essential services. It it sounds uh, good, Mike. It sounds good if you think that we're we're running close to the edge on our budget. But at least according to the governor's own numbers, we have a lot of money available. We have plenty of money available. We ought to be doing things with it. Well, I mean, the last um, uh, monthly revenue uh, uh, report was not great. And I think that there's more to come. You know, it was the very last night of session um, of the special session. But at the very end, the speaker uh, left the podium, uh, came down to the floor. His seat's now right in front of me, so I have to I have to look alive and look and you know attempt <laughs> and pay attention when when he's speaking because I'm on camera when he speaks. So he got he came down and he addressed the house, and it was I thought it was a bit uh, ominous about uh, his his remarks. What I got out of it, and I apologize, I got a really bad echo here, so that's why I'm kind of that's all right. it's not talking a like this. But in his remarks, he was basically warning uh, the Republican side that um, a lot of these surpluses that we've been uh, lucky enough to have over, over the, in, in recent months are, are going to come to an end. And I think that by the end of the year, we could be running in the red. That's a result of, you know, 
years of, of flat budgets and then this tax cut that has that was passed last year and also the fact that a lot of the uh of, of the successes we've been enjoyed over in in recent years were uh, of a direct result of having uh, came from the federal Democratic Mar- Congress and a, and, a, and a Democrat in the White House. Came actually, from the, came from the federal government, the ARPA funds and so on. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Whether it's yes, ARPA or all the investment through the Inflation Reduction Act, which I feel has does not nearly get enough credit. I mean, when you're hearing of all these different uh, investments in the state, a lot of that is directly related to the Inflation Reduction Act, which you know, the Republicans go around and, and they curse the, the bill and talk about how awful it was, but they're the first ones to show up to get their picture taken, you know, with that golden shovel with the groundbreaking for some new investment or there with the giant scissors cutting the ribbon. Uh, they, but they don't like to admit where that uh, money came from for that investment or what was used to attract that business to West Virginia. But you know, right now we have a Republican House, uh, slightly uh, 50-50 Senate with uh, with uh, Vice President Harris breaking the tiebreaker. So nothing's getting done in Washington now. So I think that's why the uh, you know the gravy train here might be running out. And that's what I gathered from the speaker's uh, uh, uh Remarks on the last night of session was like, if you better get your priorities straight because the money's not going to be there much longer. Well, and and at some point, and this is my opinion, at some point the manipulated budget that the governor puts forward every year is is going to catch up with y'all, with uh, with him and with you all actually. Um, you know, overinflating revenue projections and and underinflating them and and you know, making it appear as if we I th- I think making it appear as if we have more money than we do. Um, uh, Mike, I got a text. I think we talked about this last time. You and I were both talking about the process that was used, the bills that were thrown forward, very little uh, debate, very little uh, uh, testimony, no testimony, very little committee consideration and so on. From the uh, text line, Frio Stack, Ox Service text line, you Democrats did the same thing for 70 years. But that isn't true. Well, that's just, that's that, just not true. I mean, I've heard I, – I, when we were walking out the first night of the special session, and I think I told you this last time I was on just a few days ago, I was walking out on, um, from the floor next to a, a Republican who had been there for a very long time who served in the minority, might have been there when it was a super minority, and it served over, under a lot of Democratic governors. And he said, you know, Governor Capern used to give us at least 20 days' notice yeah. that would send us all the bills before a special session. I, I I mean, I wish somebody could cite uh, a, a single Democratic governor who would drop, you know, forty some bills on the legislature thirty minutes before in they 30 went into session. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember that ever happening in, in West Virginia history. Yeah. So, no, the Democrats did not do that. They they uh, understood why there was a process and, and would also involve public input on uh, on decision making on policy making. Mike, a quick question. Um... Uh, uh, Evan Hansen tried to put some money in for WVU. Is there is there a um, is, the, is the governor making a point about not funding WVU? Uh, well, he didn't he didn't make it a point to fund WVU. <laughs> that's for sure. Now, I mean, I voted for the project for Marshall. I think that the and, project and it's a good project. There, yeah. and, I mean, it is, yeah. and I don't. You know, to me, it's not. I don't want to pit you know two universities against no. each other. But uh, overall, this the the republic since the Republicans have been in charge, they have where, where they have made their cuts have been to higher education. And if you look at to to pass a flat budget, there's only certain areas where you can really make significant cuts. 
Uh, and one of those, unfortunately, is higher education. And they've seen cuts year after year after year. And, of course, some of their policies have also led uh, to the, the, the lower student enrollment in, in our state's universities and colleges. I mean, for example, the most recently they passed campus carry. So if you're a parent yeah. in another state, you have 50 states to choose from where to send your your uh, your graduating your high school graduate, where you're going to send them to school next year. And you armed say, well, campus just just yeah. made it so you could you know open carry on campus. And and other issues, other um, sorry, other uh, issues like that probably made it less likely for people to send their kids here. Uh, we've been suffering from uh, you know population loss in the state, which means less families being raised here, less in-state students. So yeah, a lot of the policies have led to the drop in enrollment, which has uh, you know hurt the universities. And, and of course, we haven't properly funded them. So yeah, we're seeing the result of that. It just seems to me, and it's just a perception that I have that, and and, and I want to concur with you. The Marshall University funding in that project tremendous. I, I, we should never be pitting the two schools against each other. That's ridiculous. <laughs> But it just seems to me that WVU has been given short shrift a lot lately, and uh, I, I don't have any sense of what, what's behind that, but it just seems to me something, um, something is, 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 is weird there, I guess. All right, anything else you want to share with us, uh, Mike, this morning before I let you go? Uh, no, I appreciate you having me on. It's always a pleasure to talk to you all. And uh, oh, we'll be coming up there, I guess, uh, in either October or November interims, I believe we'll be in Wheeling. Oh, good! I didn't know that. Okay, so um, I'm going to try some of this, you know, fine cuisine, some of this Wheeling cuisine I hear y'all talk we'll, about before I go on the air. We'll be happy to give you a list. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll gladly take it. Thank All you right, and we'll take you if you want to, Mike. Thanks a lot. Right, I appreciate so your time this morning. We'll talk to you again soon. Uh, thanks. Thanks. Mike Pushkin is a uh, West Virginia delegate from Kanawha County. Uh, he is a uh, also ch- uh, chair of the state Democratic Party. You know, it is important to point out that most of the bills that were introduced by the governor were passed, and they were passed with almost all support, including Mike's and other Democrats. The issue is, what are we going to find, you know, we've, we found a problem with that, uh, the the uh, property tax bill, the car tax bill. Not too long, they passed this car tax bill, going to give you a rebate in your car taxes, and they did it so fast the last time they forgot that half of us are going to pay our car taxes early and and then we weren't going to get credit for it and they had to come back and fix that bill. I wonder how many of the bills rushed through in this session will have to require a a legislative fix uh, later on. But I guess it can always be done. All right, uh, coming up next hour, we will talk uh, with Wheeling Mayor Glenn Elliott about the Life Hub. They had uh, a meeting about that this week. The mayor raised some questions. I have questions. I don't know if mine are the same as his, but we'll find out. Uh, that's coming up in the next hour of the show. Join us on the Frio Stack Auction Service Hotline, 304-214-1600 is the text line, 304-232-8255 is the phone line. Just about 65 degrees everywhere at 9 o'clock. AM 1600 WKKX Wheeling, FM 97.7, AM 1370 WVLY Moundsville. C News. I'm Derek Dennis, at least 36 dead and counting in the fall.